remember the song. It says, I've had many tears and sorrows. I've had questions for tomorrows. There's been times when I didn't know right from wrong. But in every situation, God gave me blessed consolation that my trials came only to make me strong. So I thank God for the mountains. I thank him for the valleys. I thank him for all the things that he's brought me through. Because if it hadn't been for the problems, I never would have known my God could solve them. And I wouldn't have known what faith in my God could do. So through it all, I've learned to trust in Jesus. Through it all, I've learned to trust in his word. And so I wanted to talk about that this morning because the Lord just kind of put that message on my heart this week. If you've got your Bibles, you want to look with me in Luke chapter 18. Start the sermon out this morning. In this uh, book, Jesus asks a very provoking question that demands an answer. Uh, because you're either going to come down on one side of this thing or the other. You're going to come down on the side of faith and believing and trusting in God. Or you're going to come down on the, uh, the side of trusting in something else. Whether it's yourself or whether it's, uh, you know, the government, your finances, your abilities, or someone to come to your rescue, or something other than God. You're going to come down on one side of this or the other. Luke chapter 18, verse 1, it says, Then he spoke a parable to them that men always ought to pray and not lose heart. Now, that's not the parable. Actually, that is a statement that he's made. What he's saying is that you should not lose heart. In the King James, it says you should not faint. Then he says in verse 2, the parable, saying, There was a certain city, in a certain city, a judge who did not fear God nor regard man. Now, there was a widow in that city, and she came to him saying, Get justice for me from my adversary. And he would not for a while. But afterwards, he said within himself, Though I do not fear God nor regard man, yet because this widow troubles me, I will avenge her, lest her continual coming she weary me. Then the Lord said, Hear what the unjust judge said. Now here's a guy that doesn't fear God. He doesn't regard man. But this widow keeps coming and keeps coming and keeps coming, and she just will not quit. And because of her relentlessness, this unjust judge finally gives her what she's asking for. So he says, listen to what this judge is saying. Because she would not lose heart. She would not faint. She got what she was fighting for. Verse 7 says, and shall God not avenge his own elect who cry out day and night to him, though he bears long with them? In other words, even though it seems like it's taking a long time. Has anybody ever waited a long time for God to answer your prayer? Nancy? Amen. Seems like it takes a long time. But if you keep calling out to God day and night, he says, do not faint. You are going to be like this widow. You're going to get what you're crying out for. God will avenge you, he says. Verse 8, he says, I tell you, he will avenge them speedily. Nevertheless, when the Son of Man comes, will he really find faith on the earth? He starts out saying, this is a parable that you should always pray and do not faint. But when I return, Jesus says, am I really going to find that kind of faith in the land? We should not be weary. 
The Bible says, be not weary in well-doings, for you shall reap if you faint not. So you pray and you don't give up. Jesus says, well, I find anybody like that when I come. This woman was wronged. What did she do? The message today, I'm asking you, when things go wrong, what do you do? Do you faint or do you stand in faith? And will Jesus find that kind of faith when he comes? Let's pray. Father, I thank you, Lord, this morning that you are always on the job, God. You're always doing battle. Lord, you showed me during our worship time, God. If we just praise you, Lord, you do battle for us. God, I thank you that you fight the battles on our behalf, Lord, and we can trust in you. So, Lord, I pray this morning, God, that you will open the eyes of our understanding, God. Open our hearts, Lord. God, that we not only hear, but not only see, but, Father, we receive what you're saying to us this morning, God. And, Lord, we take hold of that. And, Lord, we pray, God, I, God, I just pray this morning for a refreshing in the body of Christ. Lord, I was thinking about it with Tanya and Josh, Lord, there on the mission field, God. I just, I just pray, God, that you just give them a refreshing, Lord. God, I pray a refreshing on the body of Christ this morning, Lord, because people are troubled, Lord. And I pray this morning, God, that faith will rise in this place, God. Hope will be restored, Lord, and we can just keep our eyes fixed on you in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Another song we used to sing years ago says, everybody's got a story. Everybody's got a song. Each one's a little different about what went wrong. But then the Savior came, and he took the blame, and he changed everything. He says, I could sing about his forgiveness. I could praise him till the sun goes down. I could say that I am a witness because I was there when love came down. Love came down on me. See, everybody's got a story about what went wrong. Anybody in here that's never had something go wrong? <laughs> we've all had things go wrong in our life. And some people have things going wrong right now. At some point, things are going to go wrong. Nobody is immune to trouble. Our hopes are shattered sometimes, our dreams, sometimes our plans. What do we do when things go wrong? And if there's nothing going wrong in your personal life, there's certainly some things going wrong today. Anybody watches the news, and I try to stay abreast of it because I want to know what's going on in current events. kind of helps me know what to pray and how to see what God's doing. Uh, ISIS is spreading throughout the world, to the world. Started there in Iraq or somewhere. I'm not even sure where they started. They're going into Syria, and now they're spreading all over the place. They're invading much of the Middle East. They're going into North Africa. They're settling there. Got North Korea rattling their saber again, practicing launching uh, intercontinental ballistic missiles, some that will reach the United States with nuclear warheads on them. It's trouble brewing. In Iran, America has just gotten in bed with the biggest and, and become the biggest funder of terrorism in the world with this pact that they've made with Iran, trying to make a, a pathway for them to have a nuclear warhead and build intercontinental ballistic missiles, a country that has vowed the destruction of Israel and death to America. How many of you know we're in trouble around the world? Russia is uh, trying to link up with Syria now. Isn't it interesting a lot of things are surrounding Syria? If you read in the Bible, the Antichrist is called the Assyrian. 
It is from that part of the world that the Antichrist will come. And so we can kind of see all of the things coming together at the end. Uh, Biblical prophecy of the end times. In Afghanistan, after all of our efforts there, we may bring democracy there. We may bring capital ideas there. But we don't change their culture. Now our soldiers are being brought to trial because they stood up for a child that was being molested by an Afghan police. Because that's against our culture. You don't molest children. But over there, it's their culture. It's, it's accepted. It's understood. And so instead of standing up for our soldiers when they try to intervene for children, they're brought to trial. Right here in America, our borders are not secure to the north or the south. There's always threat, not just of illegal immigrants, but of terrorists coming into our country across those borders. We've got homegrown terrorists right here in America. There's terrorist camps in America, and we know where they are, but you can't do anything about it. Because of our, our policies and our laws in America, that's private property. They can do whatever they want to on that property. And so we know those things are going on in these training camps on private property. And just the other day, a Christian in America was put in prison for standing up for her faith. Kim Davis... A tra- uh, they, uh, she's like the secretary or something at the clerk of court or something, and she would not issue a marriage license to a gay couple because it, was, it violated her faith. And she said, it's against the laws of God. I can't do this. And they put her in jail because she stood up for her faith. And so we know that there's trouble. If you don't have personal trouble, there's plenty of trouble to go around. Amen? So what do we do when things go wrong? Jesus in the parable He said that things went wrong for this woman. She didn't take matters into her own hand. She didn't go to this judge and seek revenge. She said, I want justice. I just want this thing to be made right. And so she went to the judge and she kept going and kept going and kept going and she would not give up. And Jesus said, just like that, you and I should look look up to God when things are going wrong. What do you do when things go wrong? Well, may I suggest that you look upward, amen? You look to God. And I've preached this for years. You look towards heaven. But he says, am I going to find that kind of faith on the earth when I return? And this morning, what I want you to see is faith is more than just looking up. Because if you read the rest of the scripture in context, you'll find out that faith without corresponding action, the Bible calls it works, isn't really faith. He says it's dead. Faith without works is dead. So you have to do more than just look up. You've got to row towards shore. I tell people a lot of times, they're like, well, what do I do? I say, well, God says when you're in the midst of a battle, this is what the Lord showed me, when you're in the midst of a storm, you're out in a rowboat. I started to bring my kayak up here this morning and sit down in it as an illustration. I can sit here with the oars in the boat and say, oh, God, save me, and look up towards heaven. But the Lord says there's a pair of paddles in the boat, Bernie. Why don't you use them? You know, So you look towards heaven, but you row towards shore. Do what you can do, amen? But we depend on God to do what only God can do. So... In this gospel, Jesus is saying, will I find faith when I return to the earth? Am I going to find people that's trusting me, depending 
on me. Now, that's the gospel message, but we find in Acts and in the, in the epistles examples of how we flesh those things out. And so this morning, I, I thought about it. I was like, Lord, we are facing trouble, and I know that we are to trust in you, God. But where do we see examples of how the New Testament saints trusted in you when they were facing trouble? And there is no better example, I believe, in Scripture than the Apostle Paul. Because I don't know anybody in Scripture that faced more trouble than that man did. When he was at the end of his life, he had learned many things. He's in prison, and he's writing letters to uh, different churches, and he writes a letter to the church of Philippi. And that book alone can tell you the kind of attitude and approach that you should take when you are facing troubles. This man certainly qualifies because when he wrote to the book of Corinthians, he said, I have labored more than most of you. I've been in stripes above measure. I've been in prison frequently. Anybody in here have been in prison for Jesus? I'd say this man knows what it's like to suffer for Christ. Amen. He said, I've been in death often. He said to the Jews five times now. We read over this sometimes. I like to sit and ponder on these things. Five times received I 40 stripes, save one. 39 lashes. Man, if they hit me with a belt one time, I'd probably get in the flesh right then and there. I'd be ready to go. Somebody get my gun. <laughs> Come on. You know what I'm talking about. You're a southern boy. Get my shotgun. He just hit me. Paul was beat five times by his own countrymen, his own family. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you're offended in the house of God. Amen. Mm, that's not on my notes. The Lord just gave me that. Sometimes you're offended in the house of God. Your own family offends you. Five times, he says, I received stripes by my own countrymen. He said, three different times I was beaten with rods. One time I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I spent in the deep. He said, I was in journeys often. He said, I was in peril in water, by robbers, by my own countrymen, by heathen, in the heathen. And he said, in the city, in the wilderness, in the sea, I was in peril among false brethren. I was in weariness, painfulness, and watching's office. I was hungry. I was thirsty. I fasted often. I was cold sometimes. Sometimes I would make it. Besides those things that are without, I had all these emotional things that I had to deal with. The weight of the ministry was upon me daily, he said. How many of you know the Apostle Paul knew what it was to face trouble? What do you do when things go wrong? Now, the reason I'm bringing this message is I was praying this week. I'm like, God, I don't want to just preach a sermon. Lord, what is the message for today? What do people need to hear? And the Lord just impressed on me that people are living in doubt, in fear, in worry. People are anxious. Sometimes because of their own personal struggles that you have. But if not, certainly because of the condition of the world. How many of you, we're struggling with being afraid of what's going to happen. Worrying about those things. Being anxious about this. Especially young people. You got your whole life before you and you're like... You got all these dreams and wishes and hopes, and 
You know, and, and I think about that, man. I, I, I come from the Beaver Cleaver era, you know, the Andy of Mayberry when your kids could walk down the street and nobody would bother them, you know. And we don't, we, those days are gone, you know. And so it's, it's really bad. And people are living um, in, in a, a state of fear and worry and doubt. And Jesus asked, will I find faith when I return? People look at this and say, it's never been this bad before. But can I tell you something, church? From the Garden of Eden to the present, the enemy has never relented against God's people. It's not worse now than it's ever been. Because I don't know anybody in this church or anybody that I even know that has gone through the things that the Apostle Paul went through. Amen? The things. My southern draw come out there. My things. <laughs> Amen. I don't know anybody that's gone through the things that he's gone through. So it's not as bad as it's always been. From the time that Adam was in the garden and the enemy came to deceive him, he has been trying to destroy God's people all through history. So it's always been bad. What do we do when things go wrong? We read in Hebrews chapter 11, things were really bad. He said people were sawn in two, they lived in caves, they lived in goatskins, they were hiding, they were running, they were stoned, they were imprisoned. It's always been bad. So I'm going to real quick, I'm going to give you a couple things that you need to do. I like to give people solutions, not just problems. I don't want to just say amen because things look really bad right now and go home. I want to give you some solutions, amen? What do we do when things go wrong? The first thing you need to do, are you listening? Take control of your mind. This is the battlefield of the enemy right here. It's his battlefield. Most of what we're talking about, it's all right here. The apostle Paul was facing some pretty bad things, but he had his mind right. You got to take control of your mind. Think positive. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 that faith is the substance of hope. It's not the absence of hope. It's the substance of hope. I'm not thinking of hopelessness when I look at ISIS and all the stuff that they're doing, all the chaos, and there's terrorists around us, and all the bears and tigers. and I've got hope because I'm not looking at that. I'm looking up to the one who's in control of this thing. You got to take control of this thing. Now, I'm not talking about going out and sticking your head in the sand and pretend like nothing is going wrong. The Apostle Paul was aware of the evil that was around him. He didn't stick his head in the sand. In Acts chapter 20, verse 22, he said this I and see. Now I go bound in the spirit to Jerusalem, not knowing the things that will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying that chains and tribulation await me. But none of these things move me. None of these things move me. He said, everywhere I go, I know they're going to put me in chains. I know I'm going to have tribulation everywhere I go. He was aware of the problems in the land. Are you hearing me? But he said, none of those things move me. 
nor do I count my life dear to myself so that I may finish my race with what? With joy. Let me tell you something. If you're focusing on all the negative, you have no joy. He was aware of ISIS is coming and they're spreading throughout there and there's terrorists and there, we got homeland security issues and all of these problems. I know that. But none of those things move me. So that I can run my race with joy. You can't think and focus on negative things, church, if you're going to win this battle. Get control of your mind. Think positive things so that you can finish this race with joy. The world scene looks bad. I know that. But negative thinking will destroy your faith. Jesus said, will I find faith when I return to the earth? Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. In other words, if all I'm focusing on is what Satan is doing, then I'm not focusing on what God has said. And it will destroy my faith. You got to focus on what God is doing. Get this thing under control. If you're just cloaked, and a lot of people are, cloaked in sorrow and weariness and gloom, then you have fear for the future. And that's what the Lord said. Bernie, this is what I want you to preach because a lot of people are living in fear of the future. Because they're focused on all these things, what's going on, and they're seeing all this trouble on every hand. I, that reminds me of another song back in the 70s. Uh, how did it say? Wars and strife on every hand. It slipped my mind. Years of time have come and gone since I first heard it told how Jesus would come again someday. Back then, it seemed so real that I can't help but feel how much closer his coming is today. Wars and strife on every hand. Violence fills all the land. Till some people say that he'll never come again. But I know God's word is true. He'll redeem his chosen few. Don't lose hope. Soon Christ Jesus will ascend. Amen? Come on, church. Amen? You can't be focused on what Satan is doing. Because faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. None of these things move me. I don't care what he, well, it's not that I don't care. I'm not moved by what he's doing. Are you hearing me, church? I am moved by what God has to say about this. Not what the Osama bin Ladens of the world are saying about this. I hope that builds faith in somebody's heart this morning. If you're looking around and not looking up, you're going to faint. Stop letting the devil fill your heart with fear over the future. But some people, their thinking is negative because they are either fearing the future or a lot of you are mourning the past. There's no joy in your heart because of mourning over the past. And, and, and this is something else the Lord showed me this week. People can't enjoy the moment. Because they're fearing what's going to happen in the future or they're mourning over what's happened in the past. They're missing the moment. You know, we're all going to heaven, amen? But are you enjoying the journey? Man, I'm having the time of my life. I want to I come sliding in, brother, and say, whoa, what a ride. Hallelujah. Amen? Are you enjoying the journey? A lot of people don't enjoy it because they're fearing what's going to happen in the future 
or they can't get over what's happened in the past because of the mistakes they've made. Anybody ever made any mistakes? You knocked over a glass of milk. All right, so the house stinks. You ever spilt milk? <laughs> so you made a mistake. You spilt the milk. Some of you made bad choices. There's a difference. You can knock over a glass of milk, and if your children knock over a glass of milk, come on, Mom, Dad, it's a mistake. All right, it's not like a federal crime. Get, cut them a break. But if they look at you and go, <laughs> and pour out that milk, come on now. You need to apply the Board of Education to the seat of understanding. <laughs> there is a connection there, brother. Trev, uh, Solomon understood that. He said, foolishness is bound in the heart of a child, but the rod of correction will drive it far from him. It works, brother. It worked with me. My mom and dad took God at his word, brother, and beat the devil out of me, brother, and it worked. Amen. You can make a mistake, but some of you are mourning over bad choices. Anybody ever made a bad choice in here? Come on. Rebellious. I know it's wrong, but I'm going to do it anyway. Bad choices, mistakes. Some of you are mourning over things that was done to you that was wrong. Well, my mommy didn't do me right. My daddy didn't do me right. Somebody didn't do me right. And you can't get past it. You're missing the moment because you can't get past that. Some of you are mourning the past over wrongs you did someone else. You wish you hadn't have said that. You wish you hadn't have done that. I've dealt with church. I'm, I'm, I'm preaching to myself when I think on these things because that was part of my problems. There's things I did I regret. I wish I'd never done those things. And it used to eat my lunch. It really, really did. Guilt and shame and condemnation. But how many of you know Jesus will set you free from those things? He set me free. And I can stand here today to tell you he'll set you free from those things. In fact, I have prayed over people. I break shame off of you. I break guilt off of you. I break condemnation off of you in Jesus' name. Be free from that. Amen? The Bible says whatsoever things you bind on earth, they're bound in heaven. In fact, right now, I bind shame over you. I bind it off of you. Guilt, I bind it off of you in Jesus' name. Those things don't belong to you. They're under the blood of Jesus Christ. But some people just can't seem to get over it. Missed opportunities. Man, I thought I just did this. And if, if is the biggest little word in the English language. Did you know that? If I would have just done this or that. And you missed the opportunity, it's gone. Whatever it is, negative thinking will destroy your faith. You can usually tell if somebody is thinking negative. Amen? Just get around them. That right there will tell the tale. The Bible says, out of the abundance of an evil man's heart brings forth that which is evil. Out of the abundance of a good man's heart brings forth that which is good. For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. How many of you... Boy, don't raise your hand. You really don't like being around negative people because all they do is talk about what is wrong and this and that and Eeyore. Oh, my gosh. Oh, it's me. Not only their tongue, but their countenance. Eeyore. Anybody know who Eeyore is? Winnie the Pooh? I have to. Sometimes I'll talk about things and young people looks at me and says, who? I'm like, just shut up. 
make me feel old, why don't you? <laughs> Eeyore. Like, but some people, they just can't seem to get past that, you know? Their countenance is fallen. Their tongue. They speak curses over themselves. Church, we need to be speaking words of faith. Amen? I believe in God. I believe in you. I believe that you can do what God says you can do and nothing can stop you. Amen? Give me a witness back there, Albert. Man, I need somebody in the amen corner, brother. You good amen, brother. You got that good amen. You amen me earlier, didn't you? Give me a witness, brother. <laughs> oh, Albert says, you talking to me? Man, don't be pointing me out in front of everybody. Some people say, well, I can't help it. That's the Eeyore spirit. Nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Nobody knows but Jesus. How do you know what anybody knows? You're talking to this guy like you, nobody knows trouble I've seen. They've had twice as bad as you have. But they ain't walking around like this. Oh. Tongue cursing themselves, negative about everything. Man, the world is looking for people that live like Jesus really is God. Amen? They're looking for people that's living in victory, not in defeat. Speaking words of faith, not words of doubt and fear, anxiety, hopelessness. So you need to get control of this thing. You can help it. Because the Apostle Paul, if anybody, somebody says, well, nobody knows the trouble I've seen. Well, the Apostle Paul knows. Come on, somebody. The Apostle Paul knows. And what did he say? In the end of his life, in Philippians chapter 4, verse 13, you should know this by heart. What does it say? I can't help it. Is that what God said? You just don't understand what I've been through. I can't help it. Is that what God said? Paul, let me tell you something, man. You just don't know the trouble I've seen. Paul said, oh, really? <laughs> Let's compare notes here. And just exactly what is your trouble? Somebody's talking about me. Somebody did me wrong. I can't get over the past. I mean, just in comparison, there. <laughs> And he says, oh, yeah, you can. Because I can do all things through Christ that strengthens me. If you're looking up, come on now. If you're looking up, you can do this thing. Jesus said, well, I find faith when I come to the earth. I think about David. Man, everybody turned against that poor guy. He didn't have anybody encourage him. Nobody. He's fighting the Philistines. They're weary, battle-weary. They come back, and the Amalekites had come in, took his women, his possessions, everything. Now his men want to stone him. He's got nobody helping him. What does the Bible say? It said he encouraged himself. Church, there's sometimes that you just got to shake yourself. Encourage yourself. Get over your milly mouth, whiny, I can't, me, 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 myself, and say, I can do this because Jesus is on my side. 
Thank you, Albert. Amen. There's one person got faith. When Jesus shows up, Albert, he's going to find one man with faith. Amen, brother. I can do this because Jesus is with me. What, what about ISIS? And what, about the, what about them? I don't think God's taking his marching orders from ISIS. Amen. So we need to stop letting the devil beat us up over the, uh, the fear of the future. Stop letting it beat your brains out about something that happened back there. And enjoy the moment. Forgive yourself. Boy, I appreciated that the other day. Brittany, where are you? Wave at me, girl. God bless your heart. She gave testimony the other day. I had trouble forgiving myself. Church, you need to forgive yourself. So you did some stupid things. Who didn't? Forgive yourself and stand in your faith. Boy, I tell you, I, I applauded Kim Davis the other day. I watched her interview with Meg, Meg Kelly. Meg Kelly, is that her name? Megan Kelly on Fox News, whatever. Kim Davis is the girl that wouldn't give the license to the homosexual couple. It violated her conscience. And this is what they throwed up at her. said, who are you to judge? You've been married Four times to three different men. She married one man twice. Had babies out of wedlock. Who are you to judge? Now, she could have wallowed in that shame and guilt and condemnation and got wallowed down in her past. But she did just like Paul did. So you can't forgive yourself? Paul did. Paul murdered Christians. But yet he stands and says, if any man be in Christ Jesus, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Hallelujah. And behold, all things have become new. So she married four times. She's not living in that guilt and shame. That's the old person. And I appreciate the fact she, she stood and said on me and Kelly said, said, yes, but all of that is under the blood of Jesus. Removed uh, uh, from me and never to be remembered again. I am a new person. And she didn't let that stop her. And man, I was so glad to hear her say that. I, I, I had a little bit of questions about her testimony until I watched that interview. Just because I failed doesn't give um, somebody else a pass to do something that's wrong too. Let me just mention that. That's a side note. I just read it. I don't, I don't want to skip past it. Because some people say, like, they'll do this. Yeah, Mama, you did such and such when you were so-and-so. Yeah, Daddy, you did such and such when you were so-and-so. Anybody ever had uh, that thrown up to you? Well, just because I did something stupid don't mean it makes it right for you to go and do the same stupid thing. Need to get over these things. Some people just won't let it go. Negative thoughts. Just won't forget it. Won't forgive themselves. Paul said in Philippians chapter 313. I'm going to move on real quick. One thing I do. If I don't do anything else, there's one thing that I do. Are you hearing me, church? If I don't do anything else, there's one thing that I do. Forgetting those things which are behind and reaching forward towards the things that are ahead. I'm not going to be fearful of the present. I'm not going to mourn over the past. Man, I'm going to enjoy the moment. The joy of the Lord's your strength. Amen. Praise God. We need to laugh up in here once in a while. 
Every day that you spend in misery is a day you waste. Man, I don't want to. Brother, I'm telling you, when I turn 50, it's like life just accelerated. Anybody know what I'm talking about? I blink my eyes and I'm 61 years old. I'm like, holy cow, what happened? Every day is special, brother. Every day you're above ground is a good day. Amen. And I don't want to waste none of them in sadness and sorrow and fear and doubt. No, brother, man, I want to go, woo, what a ride. What are we doing today, Jesus? Come on. Let's have a good time. You know, when they, in the book of Ezra, it says when they built the temple, God went to Haggai and told him to rebuild the temple, and they built it. When it was finished, it says they sounded the trumpet, and the people shouted for joy. But the old men, it said, the old men that remembered the first temple began to weep and mourn because it ain't as good as the old one. And they missed the moment. Because they, were, they couldn't get over, well, this is not as good as the other one was. And I remember back in the day, and we used to so-and-so. And, well, those days are gone, honey. You just need to get over that. Amen? And they missed the moment because they couldn't get over the past. So anyway, she married four times. God bless her. She's standing her witness, and I applaud her. It's like the old donkey in the dirt. I, the, 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 the farmer got tired of his donkey, and he decided to bury him, and he hated his guts, so he's going to bury him alive. And he'd throw dirt on his back, and the donkey shaking. He'd throw dirt on the back, and the donkey shaking. He'd throw dirt on Pretty soon, the donkey's standing up there looking at him. Hey, man, when the devil's trying to throw some dirt on your back, shake it off. Hey, man, come on. Stand up and raise up and come on over higher ground. Praise God. Don't wallow in that stuff. And for your information, some people say, well, she was breaking the law. I posted it on Facebook. I don't post a whole lot on Facebook, but it just got under my skin. She's breaking the law. And I posted on her, when the laws of men attempts to supersede the laws of God, I am obliged to ignore them. Amen. Daniel did. You shall not pray. Anybody caught praying will be thrown in the lion's den. What did he do? That supersedes the laws of God. Daniel knelt down, prayed like he's supposed to, threw him in the lion's den. But what happened? God was with him. Amen. You can't lose, brother. I'm telling you. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you shall bow down and worship the image of the king. No, 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 no. Thou shalt not make any graven image to bow down and worship. They wouldn't bow down. What did they do? Put them in the fiery furnace. Killed the men that threw them in there. Brought back a report and said, we look into the furnace and we don't see three, but we see four men in the furnace and one of them is likened to the Son of God. They're up and walking around. They came out, said their clothes wasn't singed and didn't even smell like smoke. Whoop. Brother, you need to do this God's way. Come on now. You say, but it all, doesn't always turn out that way. You remember in the book of Hebrews, some of them was cut in two. Huh? Some of them were stoned to death. So I get to go be with Jesus. This is really, really bad news, isn't it? You can't lose. You know, the other day, I, y'all don't mind if I just preach, do you? Somebody told me, it's like, this person just can't get, they got an issue with God. Because something happened and a, a, a child or something in their childhood died. A child died. And it's like, how could a loving God let things like that happen? You ever heard that before? 
So God looks at this and says, and I don't know the whole plan. God sees the whole plan. Maybe this child's going to grow up and be a mass murderer or something. I don't know. So God instead says, won't you come on up here and live with me? And so he misses living through the trials of earth to get to go live with God in heaven. And you don't, there's, there's something wrong with that. I think that's a pretty good idea myself, you know. Amen. No, anyway, let me get back on track here. Take control of your mind. Real quick, I'm going to go through a couple more. I'm not going to spend much time on these others. Learn to be content. You should not have a meltdown over things today that you had meltdowns over years ago. Right? I mean, we should be growing. Amen? Learning some of this. There are things that I used to melt down over that they don't bother me anymore. Boy, I wish somebody would say amen right there. Because if you don't, brother, I'm going to tell you something. If you fail the test, you get to take it again. And if you fail it, you get to take it again. And you keep taking that test until you learn. Everybody say learn. Till you learn not to melt down over things. Learn how to be content. Learn how to be content. One of the fruits of the Spirit is temperance. It's love, joy, peace, goodness, gentle mercy. It's temperance. Temperance, if, if you take a piece of metal, and the Lord showed me this years ago. I was working with some metal one time. I was actually making a knife blade. And if you take a piece of metal and you try to make a knife out of it and sharpen it, it's really soft and it cuts away really, really easy. But if you heat it up red hot and then quench it, and you heat it up and quench it, it tempers the steel. So that now it doesn't cut away with a file. I mean, you got to really grind and work on this thing because now it's not affected by the things that grind against it anymore. It's been tempered. And God says one of the fruits of the Spirit is temperance. Yeah, things that used to really bug me, now they're like, there's some people that melt down over things that doesn't bother you at all. And it's because God has worked in your life and you have learned. Philippians chapter 4, Paul said this. Now, this is the end of his life. And bear in mind, Paul is writing the book of Philippians to the church of Philippi from the prison in Rome. He's a prisoner writing these things. He said, finally, brother, in verse 8, what things are true, whatever things are Noble, whatever things are just, whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praiseworthy, meditate on these things. The things which you learned. Everybody say learned. The things which you learned and received. Sometimes we learn things, but we don't receive them. And heard and saw in me. These do in the God of peace. We'll be with you. Man, I want that right there. Amen. But I rejoice in the Lord greatly. And now at last your care for me has flourished again, though you surely did care, but you lacked opportunity. Not that I speak in regard of need, for I have learned, he said. Paul didn't always know these things. He learned these things. I have learned in whatsoever state I am to be content. I know how to be abased, and I know how to abound. Brother, I'd like to abound. Amen? I like the abounding part of that. But if you're not abounding, if you're not being blessed out the wazoo, that's all right. He said, I learned how to be content when I'm not being blessed. 
He said, I know how to be a base. I know how to bound everywhere and in all things. Now, you go back down the list of all the things he's gone through. Everywhere I've gone. And in all those things, I'm sitting there with my back ripped open for the fifth time. I'm sitting there after being beaten with rods for the third time. He was stoned to death and raised again. He's wading around treading water in the middle of the sea. In all things, I have learned, he said, both to be full and to be hungry, to abound and to suffer need. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Church, we need to learn how to be content with the things God. The next thing you need to do is trust God. See, he sees the whole movie. He sees the whole thing. This baby died, and why does God let that happen? Because he sees the whole thing. I preached a sermon a while back. One frame doesn't make a movie. Talking about when we see what's going on in somebody's life, that's not the whole movie. That's just one frame. Okay, and I use the old film for an example. I won't go back into that. But God sees the whole movie. That's why he is sovereign. He knows the end from the beginning. Something happens, and I don't know why. People's like, why does a loving God let that happen? I don't know. You expect me to give you an answer? Here's my answer. I don't know. He's God and you're not. He's God and I'm not. He's sovereign. He sees it all. He knows it all. He knows how that thing's going to turn out before it turns out. There's a purpose and reason in everything he does. And if you can ever get that through your nut, come on now, then you can trust God. When he doesn't work out, when the apostle Paul is beaten in all these things, he's like, you know what? I trust God because he sees the whole thing. He sees the whole picture. Philippians chapter 1 verse 12, he said this. All this is in the book of Philippians now. At the end of his life, sitting in prison, he's writing, telling them, but I want you to know, brethren, that the things which happened to me have actually turned out for the furtherance of the gospel. You should ponder on that. The beatings, the shipwreck, being in peril, your countrymen, all those things. All those things? Yeah. All of that is turned out for the furtherance of the gospel so that it has become evident to the whole palace guard and all the rest that my chains are in Christ. And most of the brethren in the Lord have become confident by my chains are much more bold to speak the word without fear. So when things go wrong, we're thinking, God, where are you? Why are you letting this happen? There's a purpose in it. Everybody say there's a purpose. You can trust God. So get this in your head. Learn how to be content. Trust God. The next thing you do is you need to praise him in the storm. Don't be a secret agent Christian. Well, yeah, I trust God. But I'm not going to tell anybody. The Bible says, sing to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, making melody in your heart to the Lord. You don't sing like this. Open up your mouth. 
Come on, somebody, let a sound come out. Glory to God. I mean, sing praises to him, spiritual song. Some people think I'm crazy. Have for years. I used to be on a construction job. I sing, what can wash away my sin? I'm just working. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can, I'm working away. Make me whole again. They call me Moses. Nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is the flow that makes Makes me white as snow. Man, I'm having a good time over here. They worrying and in fear and dreading the past and fearing the future. No, I'm having a big time. Amen. Come on, somebody. Praise the Lord. That's the sound of battle. Brother, I'm going to tell you something. You get to praising God, he's going to show up, man. He's going to show up, and he's going to do battle for you. Praise him in the storm. And it's easy to praise him when everything's going on. I'm going to tell you something now for me. I'm not tooting my horn and patting myself on the back. That is the hardest thing in the world for me to do. Because when something's going wrong, sometimes my knee-jerk reaction is I get ticked off, man. And I can't shake it, and it takes me a while. But I have learned. Everybody say learned. I have learned if I can tell myself, self, shut up. I don't care what's going on up in here. You're going to praise God. And if you can just somehow muster that in your spirit and start to praise him, whoo, things start to look better. Things start to feel better. Why? Because the devil is sitting right there. It ain't going to work. And look at what they did. And he is just eating your lunch with all that negativity. And when you start praising, man, I can see the angels of God showing up. Going, whoosh. I come to do battle in the name of the Lord. Man, them angels are bad news. And, and the devil and all them demons that's trying to bombard your mind with all them negative thoughts. They got to go. Come on, somebody. Praise him. You say, well, I can't sing. That's all right. The Bible says, make a joyful noise unto the Lord. I know you can make a noise. People don't even have a voice box. They can clap your hands, all your people. They make a, something, but learn to praise him. Philippians chapter 4, verse 4 through 7. Rejoice in the Lord always. When he's shipwrecked, when he's beaten, see, he's learned these things. Rejoice in the Lord always. Again, I say rejoice. Let your gentleness be known to all men. The Lord is at hand. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving. Oh, man. Church, I, I don't mean to condemn you, and I don't want to shame you. I don't. But if you complain, you ought to repent. That's a sin. I was sitting there. They cut all the trees out in front of my house. I can see for a long ways. Now, I got me a pair of binoculars there. I watch the hawks, and there's not much going on out there. I wish some deer or something come out there, you know. I'm going to go out there and throw out some feed. Maybe I'll get them out there. But anyway, I'm sitting there. I'm sitting there having my cup of coffee the other morning. You know what I thought about? How blessed I am. How blessed I am. I just walked over to a coffee pot and poured out a hot cup of coffee. Out of a cabinet that's full of food. Drew water out of a spigot. Clean, running water. Poured it in my coffee pot. Got a refrigerator over there with refrigerated food in it. And I thought about a father in Syria. Packing up his family. 
and running with his family for his life or whatever they can take with them. Knowing he's had to leave his job, everything he's worked for, he'll probably never see his home again. Don't know where his next meal's coming from. Don't know what's going to happen. People's wanting people to take in the refugees and nobody wants them. And I thought about those people sitting there. And I said, God, forgive me for complaining about when things don't work out just right. About having to work on an old house or whatever. The house was built in 1960. I moved in in 1988 and I'm still working on the thing. Thank you for a rotten house to work on, God. Come on. Are you hearing me, church? If you complain, he says, with thanksgiving, with thanksgiving, let your request be known unto God. And the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your heart and mind through Christ Jesus. You don't live in fear and doubt, anxiety, mourning, and sorrow. Praise him. Praise him, he said. Rejoice in the Lord always, he said. And you know when he wrote that letter to the church at Philippi? That's the place where him and Silas were beaten and thrown in the Philippian jail. This was before he learned all this. This was early on in his ministry. He's sitting in that Philippian jail with his back ripped open in a dungeon where people had been chained before. It's stinking. People had urinated in there. They desecrated in there. And he's sitting in all of that with his raw back open. Him and Silas. And the Bible says about midnight, they begin to praise the Lord. And God sent an earthquake and shook the jail doors open. Are you hearing me, church? And the jailer came walking in thinking they were all dead, pulled out his sword and was going to kill himself. And Paul said, don't hurt yourself. We are all still here. And he came and fell down before him and said, what must I do to be saved? He said, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you shall be saved and your house. And he took him to his house and bound up his wounds. He is sitting in the congregation when Paul writes back to him to the letter to the church of Philippi, and he's sitting there listening to him read it. Rejoice in the Lord always, and again I say rejoice. The things you've seen and heard and, and, and learned from me, you do them. And he said, yep, I saw it. I saw how it worked firsthand. I was there when he sang praises in the dungeon, and it worked. I'm going to tell you, you want to run the devil out of town, just start praising Jesus when things go wrong. What do you do when things go wrong? Do you live in fear and worry and anxiety and mourning? Or do you look up? Will Jesus find faith when he comes back to the earth? I hope he finds it in me. Because, brother, you start praising God, you're going to run the devil out of town. Joel, thank you for that prayer, brother, in the back. Because he, he prayed, he said... When the armies would go out, you know what they would send out in front? The singers. Not always, but they did many times. Jehoshaphat was king of Jerusalem. Four kingdoms coming against him. And he called all the people together. He said, fast and pray. What did he do? He looked up. Fast and pray. And God said, tomorrow when you go out, don't put the soldiers in the front. Send the praisers out and tell them to sing, Praise ye the Lord for his mercy endures forever and ever. Praise ye the Lord for his mercy endures forever and ever. Praise ye the Lord for... And so they went out. Four kingdoms, brother. I'm telling you. ISIS invading? No, that's nothing compared to what these people have faced. You think it's never been as bad before? Oh, yeah, it's been worse. Four kingdoms coming against him. They're outnumbered. There's no hope in the natural. Go out and start praising me. And the Bible says that he, he got the enemy confused and they started killing each other. T 
till they all lay dead. Jehoshaphat and his army went out, and, and all they did was just pick up the spoils. They never even unsheathed their sword. They just picked up the spoils. Took them three days to collect all the gold and silver and carry it home with them. Whoa, man, praise God. Amen. Somebody say praise God. Praise God. All right. You trust God. You praise him. I'm getting ready to close now. Don't just hang on there. I'm almost done. Amen. Somebody say amen. Uh, somebody sent me a link. This, you don't mind if I stop a minute, I hope. Somebody sent me a link this week, and I watched it. It was hilarious. This is this black brother, black Christian brother, comedian. He said, yeah. I said, I, he said, when I grew up, said, my daddy was a preacher. My, my granddaddy was a preacher. My brother, said, man, everybody preached in my family. Even dogs in our community could preach. He said, he would. You, you pat him on the head. He said, bow, wow. Bow, wow. He said the cats and the rats, they were getting saved and healed and delivered. He said, my pastor always, he said, mm, I'm getting ready to close. Fifteen minutes later, he said, mm, I'm getting ready to close. Thirty minutes later, he said, mm, I'm getting ready to close. He said, all I can think is how many doors does he have in that sermon? I'm waiting for him to find the one that said, Moses went to Pharaoh and said, the Lord said, let my people go. Amen. Um, I'm getting ready to close. Last point. Serve God where you are. All right? If Jesus is going to find faith in the land, he's going to find you occupying till he comes. When he comes back, is he going to find you serving God? And some people are like, yeah, I'm going to serve God. When? When I get my degree, when I finish this, or when they ask me to serve in this position, or when this, or when that. And there's always, ministry always seems to be out there somewhere. See, Paul didn't wait for that. He served God right where he was. He served him right where he was. Serve God where you are. Because, see, he's in the Philippian, he's in the Roman prison. He's writing these letters. He didn't write just to the church at Philippi. He wrote to the church of Ephesus. From where we learn how to do spiritual warfare. He says, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers and spiritual darkness in high places. Rulers of the darkness. Spiritual wickedness in high places. Tells us how to do spiritual battle. He wrote that while he was in that prison. Well, I'll, I'll, I'll do this when. No, he, he ministered right where he was. While he was in that prison, all the house saw that Christ was in him. And he ministered to all of them right where he was. In the midst of his trouble, he's still ministering to them. He wrote the book of Colossians because they were in error, the Colossian heresy. And he wrote to bring correction to the church right then. He didn't wait he served God right then where he was. He wrote to this church in Philippi telling them rejoice in the Lord. You find the word rejoice 16 times in that four chapter book. He also wrote a letter to a man named Philemon. Because while he's in that prison there was a slave there named Onesimus. And Onesimus had stolen money from his master Philemon and run away. Paul met him. Led him to Christ. 
And so he writes a letter to Philemon about what it means to forgive. And he said, I don't, he said, I, Paul, the aged, I don't remind you, Philemon, that you owe me your very life. You have to read it. It's really funny. He says, but I'm telling you to accept Onesimus back, but not as a servant. Accept him as a brother. Not because you owe it to him, but for love's sake. See, he didn't wait for ministry. He did ministry right where he is, right where he was. And he won Onesimus to Christ. Wrote all those letters. So get your mind straight. Take control over your mind. Learn how to be content with the things that you have. Trust God. Praise Him. Serve Him right where you are. Would you stand with me, please? Amen. Amen. Church, I, I know things look bad, and they may be look, look bad on a personal level. I don't know what's going on in everyone's life. I know some of you, and you're going through some difficult things, and it looks bad. But I believe God, and I believe His Word is true. And if you'll take these principles that I've brought today, it's not my ideas. These are straight from the Scripture, and they have worked time and time again. And I just wanted to build hope and faith in you today that it's going to work again. And I'm not going to say that it's easy because it's not easy. But if you will make up your mind, I'm going to do this God's way, I believe it will work out good for you. Now, you may be here this morning and you never do things God's way because you're really not in God's way. You don't serve the Lord. And so before I dismiss this morning, I just want to give you an opportunity. If you're here this morning and things are not right between you and God, and you know that, there's no reason for you to leave here today the same way you came in. God wants to make a transformation in your life so that you can put these things into practice on a personal level because you know Him on a personal level. So if you're here this morning and you're, you're really not right with the, with the Lord, I want to just offer you an opportunity this morning. Just say, God, I, I want to just come today and I want to dedicate my life to you. And I want to start doing this the right way. There's no reason for you to live in fear and anxiety and worry and anxiousness and sorrow and sadness. Man, we've laughed some in here this morning. The Bible says that a merry heart does good like a medicine. So we need to take a daily dose of gladness. Amen. You can't do that if you don't know, the, don't know Christ. Right? The joy of the Lord is your strength. You have to know the Lord for the joy of the Lord to be your strength. So if you don't know God this morning, if you don't know Jesus on a personal level, why don't you do that today? Everybody just bow your head for just a minute if you would, please. I'm not going to embarrass anybody. I just would just like to ask you, as I'm closing, I want to pray for you, pray with you. If you're here this morning and you say, Pastor, would you pray for me? I'm really not where I should be with God. It, I want to make things right today. And I'm not going to call you out, I promise. I'm not going to embarrass you. 
Say, Pastor, would you just please pray for me? I want to make things right with God today. Anybody at all? I see that hand. Yes, sir. Is there anyone else? Yes, I see that hand. God bless you. Yes, sir, I see your hand. Anyone else? Yes, I see your hand. Anyone else? Wow. God speaks in the most amazing ways. When I was in the fifth grade, they did The Sound of Music. Anybody remember that movie, The Sound of Music? And there was a song in that. My teacher, I was failing. No, I was sixth grade. I th- I'm sorry. I was failing the sixth grade. And my teacher told me, if you'll sing this song for me, I'll give you a passing grade. And so I had to go look, watch a dumb movie and learn that song. But the song says, it's when you walk through a storm, keep your head up high and don't be afraid of the dark. At the, end of the, uh, at the end of the rain, there's a golden sky and the sweet silver song of a lark. And that just popped into my head for some reason. I'm, I'm going to say it was the Lord. If you're walking through a storm in here this morning, keep your head up high. Don't be afraid of the dark. All right? There's no golden sky at the end of it, but Jesus is there. Amen? So walk on, walk on with hope in your heart, and you'll never be alone, it says. You'll never be alone. And I don't know if as a Christian, meaning behind that or not, but it's certainly a powerful song with very powerful meaning. Now, some of you raise your hand and says, I'm not right with God, but I want to be right today. Is there anybody in here this morning that just felt like you've been walking alone? Because I just felt like the Lord just wanted me to tell you, you're not walking alone. I see that. Is anybody else? I'm not. I feel like I've been walking alone. Loneliness is a very, 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 yes, I see your hand. God bless you, honey. Loneliness is a terrible thing. Two things I want to say about that. If nobody else is around you and you feel like nobody's with you, nobody is with you. Like the little boy says, God's everywhere. And he's trying to pull his red wagon up the hill and says, Mama, is God everywhere? She says, Yes. Is he in this wagon? He says, Yes. I said, well, can you tell him, get out and help me push? Little boy's scared of the dark, says, God everywhere? He's like, Yeah, he's everywhere. He said, But I need, I need a God with skin on him. Sometimes you feel like you're alone because there's nobody. God doesn't have skin on him. He's not there. But listen, two things I want to say God is always there for you. He said, I promise you, I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. And you need to know that. But church, we are the body of Christ. There's no reason any person in this congregation should feel alone as long as we're drawing breath. Right? If we know somebody's going through something hard, go put your arm around them. Say, you know what? I may not have the answers. I may not know what to do. But you don't have to face this by yourself. Because I'll face it with you. Man, that offers such comfort to people. Such hope. So if you raise your hand this morning, I just want to pray for you. If you feel like you're walking alone, I want to pray for you. Father God, I thank you for this time this morning, Lord. I thank you for your word, Lord. Thank you for the anointing and the presence of the Holy Spirit. 
God, I thank you for the answers to our questions. Lord, this woman would not relent. She just kept looking up and looking up and looking up and praying and believing. And you said, I'm looking for people that have that kind of faith, that they will look to me and they will not faint. They will not give up. And then, God, you said, if we would do that, that even an unjust judge will hear that. And because we, he grows weary of hearing it, even an unjust judge will give us what we fight for and what we ask for. How much more will God, who wants to bless us, give us the things that we desire and pray for and do it speedily? So, Father, I pray for those this morning, God, that feel like they're walking alone, God. They're going through struggles and they're going through battles. Lord, I pray today that the message has given them faith and it's given them hope, God. It's given them some fortitude to stand, God, and believe and, 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 and run the devil out of their problem, out of their house, out of their life, God, out of their mind. Then, Lord, I pray for those this morning, God, that they're, they're saying, I feel like I'm just not where I should be with you, God. And I want to make my life, my heart right with you today. God, I pray that you would just visit them right now, Lord. By raising their hand, God, it was an act of faith that they are putting their trust in you. So, Lord, I pray that you just minister to them, God, a healing of their heart, of their mind, their spirit, God. Right now, in Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. 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 Father, I thank you, Lord, for our time here. I thank you for your sweet, sweet spirit, Lord. Now, God, as we leave this place, I pray a blessing, Lord, over the body of Christ. God, I pray a blessing over the homes that's represented here. God, may you bless each and every house, oh God. May your presence go with us, oh Lord. Father, I thank you for the time of fellowship that we're going to have at the, at the, the game after, Lord, the time of fellowship, Lord, uh, eating food and stuff and just sharing with each other, Lord. Lord, let this same heart and spirit continue on even through that, Lord, that we, God, we encourage each other, Lord, and help each other, strengthen each other through the rest of this day now. In Jesus' mighty name, amen, amen. God bless you, church. Thank you for listening to this message. We hope you are blessed and encouraged by it. Central Virginia Assembly of God is located on 5052 Cross County Road, Mineral, Virginia, 23117. If you would like more information about the church, visit us at centralvaag.org or call 804-514-2413. We would love to hear from you. God bless.